Lord, we thank you that in the midst of this life that is so fraught with challenges and fears and difficulties, it seems, from every quarter, God, there's still a still point in the midst where you're in control. And God, we thank you for that. We thank you that it is in you that we live and move and have our being. And so, Lord, would you help yourself uh, to us this day? Would you prepare our hearts for the celebration of the feast that you have inaugurated for us uh, right before, Jesus, you went to a cross? Would you speak to our hearts this day in Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, everybody. <laughs> I want to share just a, a handful of scriptures to prepare us for receiving communion this morning. And I want to begin by, well, it's a reminder, and it sounds like a Christmas um, verse, and it comes from... Uh, Luke's Gospel, the very first chapter, and if you want to read it with me, you can certainly do so. It's that experience where the angel Gabriel showed up. Can you imagine? The angel Gabriel showed up and announced his plan that seemed utterly impossible. Let me read it for you, uh, beginning in... Well, let's start at verse 35. The angel Gabriel came to Mary and said to her that she would bear a child, and this child would be a game changer. This child would change everything. In verse 34, Mary, of course, said to the angel, how can this be, because I don't know a man. What she was saying is, what you have just said to me is utterly impossible. Verse 35, the angel then answered and said to Mary, to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born in you will be called the Son of God. And he went on and he said, And now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, uh, has also conceived a son in her old age. And uh, this is now, in fact, her sixth month of her who was formerly called barren. Verse 37, Mary was reminded by Gabriel, With God nothing is impossible. Now, it is therefore... Uh, for me, the question of impossibility that we want to look at this morning, because I know that many of you are actually confronted with impossible situations. Um, what seems impossible to man, to woman, in fact, is not impossible uh, with God. With God, nothing is impossible, uh, we just read. The evangelist um, Reinhard, Reinhard Bonnke, some of you would know that name. He has proclaimed the good news of the gospel 
to literally millions of people around the earth, primarily in Africa, and now he's come back to the United States. And he has said that God specializes in the impossible. He said that God thinks only in terms of impossible. He commands, in fact, of us the impossible, and then he makes it possible by the very life that he imparts to us, living in us, and then through us. You see, he does this so that he alone will get the glory. Now, Reinhardt then asked a question, and I want to ask us of, uh, it of us this morning. Um, why does God command the impossible of us? Well, he does it because he loves us. And he does it so that we would be participating with him in his pleasures and in his joys. But you and I are often given to try to understand everything else with our mind. Now, Elizabeth, I'm sure, the mother of John the Baptist, said, this is impossible, I'm barren. But God said, no, in the midst of your impossibility, I'm going to bring forth a son, and his name will be John the Baptizer. He will be a forerunner of this next one, Jesus, uh, and to that woman, Mary, that young virgin, uh, the angel Gabriel said, you're going to bring forth a child. And she said to him, that is impossible because I don't even know a man. And the angel Gabriel, we just read it, said, nothing is impossible for God. What's your situation today? It's a rhetorical question. But I understand that many of you are facing, many of us are facing impossible circumstances. Well, the God that we serve is the God of the impossible. And I want to share a few scriptures as we prepare our hearts this morning about this notion that we're living in times of great impossibility and yet God calls us to be courageous and God calls us to look to Him because God is about to do what seems utterly impossible the same way He did it to the mother of John the Baptist, the same way He did it to Mary, and the same way God always does the impossible in each one of our lives. Well, how does that work? Turn with me, uh, if you would, to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4. Now, here the Apostle Paul begins to give us a little bit of a secret. The secret of, in fact, um, how God does the impossible. Um, chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, beginning at verse 6, let me just read it to you. It says, for it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Verse 7 of 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4. But Paul says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure in human containers in order that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. You see, 
What I think God is trying to communicate to us is that each one of us in our humanity, in our humanness, uh, are simply carrying something. We carry what grows out of our human understanding until God, by His sovereign purposes, begins to turn on the lights of our understanding by revelation, and we begin to then recognize our need for Jesus. And when we recognize our individual need for Jesus and open our lives to Him, surrendering all that we are to Him, something mysterious and something miraculous happens sort of in the same way it happened to Mary. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Um, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Um, God is going to do something in you. And here's what God did. That, uh, that now, Paul says, we are vessels... Um, earthen vessels, simply human containers, and these human containers now, uh, through the redemption that is freely given to every single person who would receive Jesus into their lives, they now, we now, become earthen vessels, but we are now filled with a treasure that is absolutely more grand than any of us could ever fully comprehend. We have, Paul said, this treasure, the God who framed the entire universe, has come to live in a person who had the name of Jesus, who lived his life among us, ultimately went to a cross for us, to redeem us and purchase us out of our futility. Not only did He forgive us all of our sin, but that same Jesus who died and was raised again from the dead and was ascended now back to the Father from that exalted place, He, the Father and the Son, send forth Jesus to now live in a people. Hence, Paul says, we have this treasure, the treasure of Jesus in human containers. That's where the gospel then begins to be understood as an individual, as we're birthed into the kingdom of God and then recognize that God the King now comes and inhabits a people. That gives us sort of the answer um, of who we are. In our humanity, we are absolutely just human. But God has chosen to step into our containers, our human vessels, and show Himself off. Now let's move to a second scripture. This one is in Philippians uh, chapter 4, if you'd like to turn there. And, and here... It's not so much, um, uh, it's, it's more of now who we carry. It's definition of what this uh, treasure really is. And Paul says, beginning in Philippians chapter 4, um, he has found a secret, verse 12 of Philippians chapter 4. I have discovered the secret. I know how to be abased. That means brought to nothing. 
And I know how to abound. That means have everything. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full as well as to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Look at verse 13. In the midst of the impossibilities of life, a being abased, brought to nothing, and abounding and having everything, he learned this, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What that means more accurately is that I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. You see, it's the same understanding that Paul was trying to communicate that we have now this amazingly, infinitely valuable treasure inhabiting us in earthen vessels. My earthen vesselness is not the biggest issue. The biggest issue is my understanding that in my human container uh, is contained one who is absolutely uh, more than the mind can comprehend. God, by His Spirit, has chosen to come and live in our vessel. Somebody say something. That's a game changer. See, that changes everything. And uh, Paul said it is because of this understanding that now I carry and you carry the very presence of Jesus, that treasure in these earthen vessels, um, that that changes everything. Brothers and sisters, if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. God by His Spirit, lives in you if you've trusted Jesus. He is a treasure that is infinitely more than the mind could ever conceive. Don't try to figure it out. That's called eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Oh, granted, we can understand some, but it simply is a reality for that one who has trusted in Jesus God separates our sin from us as far as the east is from the west by the blood of Jesus. On the cross, God takes our sin and puts it on His Son, Jesus. How's that work? That's what God did. God takes the righteousness now of Jesus and puts it on the likes of us. In our earthenness, God forgives us and God declares we are righteous through the blood of Jesus. Because now, he who is holy could never live in anything that is unholy. He changes our heart, he moves in and he lives in us, and now Paul says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And you know what? Every place you go, God's going with you. When you go to Harris Teeter to buy your corn on the cob, God is right there with you. God likes hanging out with us. Do you hear what I'm saying? You, you can't go anywhere where God is not. Because God has determined that He would create vessels that He would then fill so that people would begin to see Him through the likes of human vessels. And, as we just read in Philippians, that is the means by which we can do everything He calls us to do because He is our strength. Now, 
Let me share something with you as we begin to sort of funnel toward our communion. God right now is raising up millions and millions of people, millions and millions of disciples of His Son Jesus, uh, who will become His helpers, if you will, His hands uh, and His feet, uh, with varied gifts and all kinds of different abilities, carrying His presence every place you go. This is going to be a world changer. You say, that's, how will that happen? Look at all of the fear that's out there. Look at all of... you know there was always a them in every generation? In the first century, who was the them? It was the Romans. It was these pagans. It was... You know, God, the nations of the world are as a drop in the bucket before God. The them isn't a big problem. The biggest problem is to get a people to understand the gospel. That the God of creation now inhabits a people and He's the treasure. And because He's the treasure, I'm no longer the treasure. Oh, He treasures me. That's why He stepped into us. You see? But now, if... If we are vessels in human containers in whom God now lives, and if we carry the very presence of Jesus, I can do all things through Christ, who now is my strength, let's look at how these millions and millions of disciples are told to live their lives while they sojourn upon planet Earth. You ready for that? Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Now I would remind you that everything that we experience as human containers of the treasure is because of what God has done through His Son Jesus. Jesus, in other words, was the mediator of the new covenant. Jesus started something brand new. Secondly, Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, gave us a new commandment. And in John chapter 13, Jesus, who is now the treasure in us through whom we can do everything because He is our strength and our life, Jesus said this in verse 34 of John chapter 13, speaking to His disciples, you might want to read it if you have your Bible or one near you or jot it down so you can read it later. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you. In other words, what is this treasure supposed to look like that we're carrying? Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. Now just think about that for a second. How did Jesus love you? I give you a new commandment, love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know. Now who's the all will know? It's them. It's the them of your generation. You know, us and them. 
It's them that God still loves. You see, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for another. So this notion of living out the new commandment, um, God is, in fact, telling us, if you really are a disciple of mine, this is how people around you will now begin to look at you as carriers of the treasure. You're going to begin to love people and it will seem absolutely impossible to you. But you have to remember, it's not about you. It's about Him whom you now carry. The one who is living His life in you. You're the vessel. uh, He's the treasure. And Jesus wants to love other people through you. Who is your them? Now, Paul said something that I find very striking, and I want to go back to 2 Corinthians uh, for just a moment, and this time I want to look at chapter 2, verse 14, and he says this, 2 Corinthians 2, 14 and 15. Now thanks be to God who always leads us to triumph. You see, what that means is He who always leads us in victory, even in the midst of impossible circumstances, He leads us to triumph in Christ and through us, here it is, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. And when that begins to happen, He diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. God is diffusing the very fragrance of Jesus every place you go. I don't smell it. You know what I'm saying? That's not Jesus. But but, but see, because we are human vessels and carry uh, the treasure of Jesus in us, um, and because He's shown us how we are then to allow Him uh, to express Himself to other people, which is the new commandment to love, so that all will know uh, who I am, then this, this fragrance that we have from Jesus will begin to be discerned. Look at this next verse, uh, verse 4. Um, no, I'm sorry, 14. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ, We are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and also among those who are perishing. You see, God actually wants us to just live our lives with the recognition that we're the vessel and He lives His life in us and wants to show off, show Himself off through us. We've seen that what that should look like is love. You can parse the verbs any way you want to, but Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I've loved you. By this, it's not how religious we are. It's not how many times we come to the assembly, as important as that is to live community. But by this, by love... They, whoever they are in your mind or heart, will come to see me 
if you have love one for another. So love becomes really the, the means by which um, God shows himself through us. One final text. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew uh, chapter 5. It's the Sermon on the Mount. Now, next week, as we begin our summer schedule with one service, um, we're going to begin to walk through the greatest sermon ever preached. And because I would never attempt to kick that series off, <laughs> I've asked Elliot Tepper uh, to come and to do that, and he's agreed to do so. Now, Elliot Tepper is one of those great apostolic leaders uh, around the globe today. But here's what we'll discover that God is looking for disciples who understand who they are, who understand whom they carry, and understand what that is to look like, which is primarily love. Now, I've skipped ahead just a little bit in our series, and I want to read, as we come to communion, the final text in Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus talks about love. Look at verse 43. Matthew chapter 5, he said, You've heard it said uh, that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, did you know there, there have always been them, as I've said? In every generation, there's a them. Uh, and Jesus said, You've heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies. Now, I don't know if you have a red print Bible, but this is in red in my Bible. These are the words of Jesus. Parse the verbs any way you want to. Jesus said this. By, but, you, but I say to you, love your enemies. That's the new commandment. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and even persecute you. Now he goes on and he says, verse 45, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. That could equally and rightly be translated because you are the sons of your Father in heaven. In other words, because you're his son and because you are his daughter, and because you have this treasure in earthen vessels, and because the language of the kingdom is primarily love, not hate, it's primarily giving and forgiving rather than fear, because that is true, you're, because you understand that, that is because you're sons of your Father in heaven. Now, let's look at the character of God. For He, God, makes His Son to rise on the evil and the good. The compassion and the love of God. I don't know how you read that, but if God makes His, His Son, S-U-N, to rise on both the evil and the good, that says His love is bigger than my love. And He goes on and He says, uh, God makes, He sends His reign on the just and the unjust. Now, who are the just? those who have been justified by the blood of Jesus, who have been accredited with His righteousness, God sends His reign upon the just and the unjust. 
Now you see, beloved, what I want you to see here is that God's love is different than your love. God's love is impossible for you to do, but it is not impossible for God to do. God would never have commanded us to do something. He has not empowered us by His Spirit to actually live and actually do. It's risky love. It's hard love to be sure. Now, verse 46. If you love those who only love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren, those who are just, those who are like you only, what do you do more than anybody else out there? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Verse 48, and I'll end with this. Therefore, now why is the therefore there for? It's there to connect the context of what Jesus is saying. You are my disciples, and, and I'm calling you to, to love because of the fragrance, because of uh, the, the radiance of the beauty of the man Christ Jesus that you carry. It's not whether you like somebody. It's not whether they believe the same way you believe. We don't serve people in order to convert them. Bob Roberts, Jr., said, and that's a quote, we love people because we're converted. We serve people because we're converted. And God is about to convert millions, and I believe billions of people. The question is, how's He going to do it? And the answer to that, the short answer, is when the church recognizes not their limitations in their earthen vesselness, but in the the huge radiance of the presence of Jesus that actually lives in you and He always looks like love. Jesus said, love your neighbor. Now, the last verse here in verse 48 says this, Therefore, be perfect just as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, He's not talking about moral perfection. The context is love. Here's the way I translate it. I believe it's the best way to translate it. Um, Therefore, be perfect, mature, teleos, fully complete. The context is love. Let the love of God so saturate your life. Therefore, be mature and complete and perfect in His love. Be perfect in love the same way your heavenly Father is perfected in His love. Hello? We serve the God of the universe who still does the impossible. You do not have to agree with them, but you do have to love them. When they hate you, when they revile you, when they persecute you, when they call you stupid and idiotic, when they say, we believe in another God. But recognize this, the God who made it all is wishing to simply communicate His love to them. And beloved, Jesus said, love one another the same way I loved you. All eyes up here, all eyes go past me, and all eyes look at that instrument. That's how Jesus loved you. 
And that's the way he has called us to love one another. To summarize, God specializes in the impossible. Aren't you glad? Don't look at your human vesselness, your human container, for we're simply vessels containing the treasure, the valuable treasure of Jesus himself. He lives in us. He lives in us corporately. Thirdly, Jesus in us then enables us to live and and enables us to love those who are absolutely impossible in humanness, in our humanity, to love. Fourthly, Jesus always looks like love. Real disciples always love even if they disagree with the people around them. They will honor and they will respect and they will value the people before them even though they are wrong because love covers, love embraces. I will always be an evangelical Christian filled with the Spirit, regardless of who I stand before. And beloved, there are people out there who are looking for a glimpse of whether your God is real or not. And there's only one way that they will see it. It won't be by the measure of the fear that you carry. It won't be by the anger that we spew on other races or other religions. By this, all people will know whether you're my disciple if you have love one for another. Elders, would you come and let's prepare our hearts. Let me read a couple statements just while we're taking a moment to prepare our hearts. God showed His boundless love for all people by sending His Son to die for them, to redeem them. This act on the cross proved that all men and women are loved by God. His agape love, His love that's patient and kind and bears and believes, etc., etc., is an unconditional love. It's a love that does not demand or expect even reciprocation. God's love compels us to love other people with the same selfless love that God showed us in Christ. One final little paragraph. The Holy Spirit is the only one who can help us love the unlovable. The first fruit of the indwelling Christ in us is God's agape love. Galatians 5:22 and 23, for the fruit of the spirit, the fruit that the spirit of God births and creates in us is foremost love and joy and peace and patience, etc. The same love with which God loved us, the same love with which we're Uh, We are known by, by this, all men will know whether you're my disciple. Ask the Holy Spirit to motivate uh, you with a special love for your neighbor.
those who are close in and those who are far off. Because God so loved His world that He gave His only begotten Son. You see, we are the hands and the feet of Jesus. Through us, we can experience the love of Christ, and so can all of those around us. If we say we love Him, we must live as He lived. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 says this, If we say we abide, live in Him, and He abides and lives in us, we ought to walk exactly the same way Jesus walked. Let's pray. Father, thank you that it's never by our might or our power. We're so unable to love people who don't agree with us. We're so unable to love those that persecute us or say we're stupid or foolish. Why do you believe in that Jesus? But Father, thank you that we carry the treasure of Jesus in earthen vessels so that the glory would not be about us but about the one whom we carry. God, would you cause us to begin to love one another as you have loved us so that the world might see that you really are who you say you are. Fill our hearts, O God, with what seems sometimes to be impossible, and that is with the very love that transforms hearts, transforms people, and ultimately is only that which will transform nations. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took a loaf and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which has been given for you. Every time you eat of it, do so remembering me. And likewise, after he had eaten with his disciples, he took the cup, he poured it out, and he said, I'll paraphrase, Look at this stuff, guys. This is the blood of the new covenant man, the new covenant woman, men and women who will ultimately transform the world, not because they're so smart, but because they will carry my very presence to the ends of the world. As often as you drink of this cup, do it in remembrance of me. Would you hold the elements so that we might participate as a family? This table is open to all who genuinely turn from themselves and willingly follow as disciples of Jesus. If you're here and have never given your life to Jesus, 
this would be an amazing time for you to do so. It could also, go ahead gentlemen, it could also be the first communion that you experience saying, I haven't really seen this, but God, I turn from myself. I believe what you have said in your word, and I want to become a woman or a man who carries the very presence of Jesus. Beloved, simply reach out to him and say, Here I am. Jesus, come and live your life in me and through me to the glory of God the Father. Let's celebrate.
cost Jesus everything so that we could receive all of him. Let's eat in remembrance of him.
let's drink in remembrance of him. Father, thank you for what an amazing sacrifice of love. Thank you, God, that you've chosen to live your life in the midst of an earthen vessel where we carry the very presence, the unimaginable love of God to a world who so desperately needs to glimpse it. Thank you, God, that the mandate is to love so that people would begin to see what a real disciple looks like. God, would you begin afresh with me? stand. Sort of brings fresh revelation the words of Paul that says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or even think, to him belongs the power and the glory forever and forever. Elders, if you would simply stand by so that if there are some of you who would like special prayer, maybe you need to come to know this Jesus. Maybe you've done the nod to God in the past. You know, yeah, I believe. But it's not yet saturated your full being. It's a journey. But I invite you to come and just ask one of those who are here to release something fresh in your heart that will be life-changing for you and world-changing for others. Father, would you now bless your people? Would you encourage them today? Help us, God, to realize that it is you living your life in us and through us by which others will eventually see your amazing love, your mercy, and your grace. Fill your people with encouragement today, God. Thank you that we are earthen vessels, human containers, containing the treasure of the God of all of the universe, who is doing that same work around this globe right now in every nation upon the face of the earth, and we get to be a part of it. God bless you, and have a wonderful day today in Jesus. If you'd like special prayer, come and pray. We're just going to hang out and worship here for a few minutes. You slip out uh, as you have need to do. God bless you and have a wonderful day. Remember, next week, one service begins at 1030. Love on somebody today who doesn't deserve it.